Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Let me kneel before I preach like that. Thank you, Jamie. We're in Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, but before we get into our message this morning, would you like to hear a Tom Huber story? Oh, sure, sure you would. You know, we have prayer breakfast on Saturday mornings, and fellas, you are welcome to come, and we meet at 7.30, and we pray, and then we go next door to the Paddle Inn, and we enjoy breakfast together in a time of fellowship, and such was the case uh, yesterday. We go down to the Paddle Inn, and us guys, we sit down at the table, and Tom goes to the restroom, and uh, comes back and sits down and seemed kind of anxious about things. I said, what's up? He said, well, I didn't know how long to wait. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, the sign. I said, what sign? He said, the sign in the restroom. He said, I didn't know how long to wait. He said, I waited a long time and nobody came. I said, what are you talking about? He says, the sign in the restroom. It says, employees must wash hands. And no employee came in to wash my hands, so I finally just washed them by myself. You don't see the humor in that, do you, Tom? Tom really thinks he was supposed to wait for an employee to come <laughs> to come wash his hands. Only he could think of that. Only that man could think of that. You know, I mean, it never dawned on me that you want an employee to come. <laughs> Tom, I was driving around later yesterday afternoon, started laughing, thinking about, thinking about that. Well, let's change gears. The blessings of self-denial. That may sound like an oxymoron. We're so conditioned to think that we should not deny ourselves anything in this culture that the idea of putting that in the same title with blessings may seem odd. But I really hope and pray that, as I said earlier, as I go to bat for you this morning, uh, the Holy Spirit will impress upon you the truths of God's Word, and uh, this could be perhaps for you a life-changing series. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 21. And it says this, Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Now we're just focusing on the first half of that verse. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. And in these verses in Luke chapter 6, there are some uh, complementary and corresponding verses. In verse number 21, that corresponds with what is also said down a few verses in verse number 25 when he says this, Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. So in verse 21, it says, Blessed are ye that hunger now. In verse number 25, it says, Woe unto you that are full. This seems to be teaching something that is, to us, counterintuitive. It's teaching us the idea that it's good to be hungry, and it's bad to be full. Now, I don't know about you, but that's about the last thing I want to believe the Bible teaches. I don't want to believe that, that it's good to be hungry. I don't ask my wife, I don't handle hunger well at all. I mean, the minute, the first little hunger pain, 
I need something. I, I, I need it right then. We, we can be going somewhere. And, you know, maybe it's about lunchtime or about supper time. We're driving, and I'll ask Sharon, I say, are, are you hungry? She said, yeah, I'm hungry, but I can wait. I don't, that doesn't register with me. <laughs> we, we mean you can wait. You know, when I'm hungry, I can't wait. But look at what it says. Blessed are ye that hunger. Woe unto you that are full. I mean, I don't handle that well at all. I'm not finishing breakfast before I'm asking Sharon, what's for lunch? (laughs) I'm not finishing lunch before I'm asking Sharon, what's for supper? So when I read that it's blessed, you're blessed to be hungry and woe if you're full, I don't want the Bible to teach that that's talking about food. And it's not. That's the good news this morning. It's, that's not what it's talking about. This is talking about self-denial in a spiritual context. A very important principle. If you want to be a successful Christian, a blessed Christian, a joyful Christian, you need to understand that this is talking about self-denial in a spiritual context. To put it simply, once you get saved, your flesh, which is unredeemed, will continue to want things that would be bad for you. The flesh is gullible. The flesh is lustful. And this is teaching us that you must never satisfy your hunger for the things that your flesh lusts after. And in that sense, it is better just to remain hungry. And in that sense, it would be woe unto you if you meet that need. We're talking about Things that your flesh desires that's bad for you. And because that exists, you have to understand and appreciate the concept, the biblical principle of self-denial. Again, you need to understand once you get saved, your flesh is still a problem for you. Your flesh is unredeemed. Your, your flesh is going to desire things that clearly it should not have, but it wants. One of the hardest lessons any of us can learn, and particularly in this culture, is self-denial. And by the way, let me just, I meant to say this earlier, this is a two-part message. We're starting it this morning, we're finishing it this afternoon. It's one of the hardest lessons for us to learn. What is the definition of self-denial? What are we talking about? It's a restraint or limitation of one's own desires or interests. A restraint or limitation of one's own desires or interests. Now that flies in the face of our current culture. I mean, people today will beg, borrow, steal, cheat to get what they desire. Whatever it, I will lie, I will, I will push others down, I will pull others down to get what I want, to experience what I want, to go where I want, to dress like I want, to talk like I want, to view what I want, to read what I want, to be who I want. This culture will do anything. So what I'm teaching you this morning is biblical, but it's counterculture. 
You got to be willing to live that way. Oh, you can go the way of the world, but you're going to get what they get. And if you look around you in the laboratory of life, I don't think you want that. Matthew Henry, one of the great Bible commentary, uh, commentary writers, said this, The first lesson in Christ's school is self-denial. One of the reasons you may not be a happy, blessed Christian this morning, one of the reasons you might be a struggling Christian this morning, is that maybe you've never heard this before, or maybe you've heard it, but you just don't want to go there. You still want what you want. This could be the very problem with your spiritual struggle today, that, that inner turmoil, that, that, that conflict that you have inside. This very principle right here. This is a principle, folks. I'm not making this up. This is a principle clearly taught in Scripture. In fact, in fact Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The very first thing he says, If you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself. There are some things in your life that you cannot partake of. There are things in this world that are bad for you. They are bad for the cause of Christ. Now, your flesh is going to desire them. And the world is going to do its best, and Satan's going to do its best to make them attractive and appealing. You've got to be smart enough. You've got to have the character enough to see through that, to see the lies, to see that you do not want to go there. And again, this is what the Lord says, let him deny himself. That's you, that's you, that's you, that's you, that's me. Are you practicing that? Are there things in this life that really appeal to you? And it can be different things to different people. But you know it's wrong. You know it's bad. You know it's sin. Or you may know the timing is wrong. You know, there's some things that you can't have till after you're married, for example. But your body longs for this. It longs for that. Are you practicing self-denial? Or do you make excuses for yourself Are you more influenced by the world than you are by the Lord? William Law said this, If our life is not a course of humility, self-denial, renunciation of the world, poverty of spirit, and heavenly affection, we do not live the lives of Christians. It's self-denial. And that's what Luke chapter 6, verses 21 and 25 are teaching us. In Luke chapter 6, verse number 21, it says, Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. I mean, there are people that stay away from the things that all their friends are doing because they know, I'm a Christian. I, I, I can't go there. Yeah, it's appealing. And yeah, I hear all the stories of all the good times, but I'm going to practice self-denial. And you know what? That person sleeps well at night. That person isn't uncomfortable in church on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or Sunday afternoon. That person's full. Nothing to feel bad about. Nothing to feel guilty about. 
but the person that justifies and feeds their flesh, even though they're saved, the Bible says, you shall hunger. There shall be an unsettling there. There, There's going to be something there that isn't right. So let's ask the question, in what sense is it good to be hungry? And what sense is it bad to be full? Now, some would say, well, that's easy. The Bible says, hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger and say, that, that, that's obviously what that means. But you know, let's think about that for a second. If that's true, if that's what this is talking about, that we're to hunger and thirst after righteousness, and we are, don't get, don't get me wrong, yes, we're to hunger and thirst after righteousness, but this is a different context, this is a different topic. If that's true, that what this, that's talking about in verse number 21 is hungering and thirsting after righteousness, then it doesn't make sense that that would then earn a woe from God. Blessed are ye that are hungry, oh, after righteousness, yeah, well, I'm going to have, then I'll be full with righteousness. But then later on he says, woe unto you that are full. So it's obviously not talking about righteousness in this context. That would mean that if you were full of righteousness, then you would earn a woe from God because he says, woe unto you that are full. The key word in understanding those two verses is the word now. Now refers to our current state. Uh, This world is not talking about heaven. Those verses means in this world, there are some things your flesh are going to hunger after and you cannot fulfill that hunger. You need to stay hungry in that sense. Because if you fulfill that appetite pursuing things you shouldn't, then you're going to be full. But you're going to be full of the wrong kinds of things. This is so obvious, folks. Just, just look at family and friends that you know. Christians who are not in church today who used to be involved in church, or are, are they in a, a, some liberal, crazy church, you know, that might as well not even be in church. It's more worldly than it is Christian. And many times you can see it's because they pursued things. They were hungry for something they shouldn't have been hungry for. And they fulfilled that fleshly appetite. And they are paying for that. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Your flesh may hunger for things like revenge. Somebody did you wrong. And in the flesh, you want to get even. You have an appetite to get even. You hunger to get even. But it would be very harmful for you to fulfill that hunger. Because the Bible definitely teaches that it would be wrong to seek revenge. But does our flesh want to get even sometimes? And the problem is you hunger to fulfill that desire to get even with somebody. And you can do it as a Christian. But that's something you do not want to partake of. You need to practice self-denial. God, my flesh desires it. God tells me it's wrong. I must resist going there. Another example, your flesh may hunger for someone else's spouse. But it would be extremely bad 
to meet that need, to fulfill that hunger. But we know it happens all the time, sadly, tragically, in our country, in our culture, that somebody just sees somebody they're attracted to, and they want them. There's, there's a perfect illustration of the flesh desiring something, and the Lord saying no, and calling on you then to practice self-denial. No, it's better just to stay hungry, if you will. Practical. Your flesh may hunger for tobacco. But we know. We know what tobacco does in, in every form. It's, it's bad for you. And it would, be, it would be harmful to you to fulfill that hunger. It is much better for someone with that fleshly to de- desire to practice self-denial. No, I want it. And I would get some, as we will see, I would get some temporary pleasure from it. That's the, that's the hook. That, that's the lure. All of these things maybe would give you some temporary pleasure. But at what price? At what cost? Here, here's another very practical one. Your flesh may hunger for music. That is totally inappropriate. Jesus would never go to their concert. Jesus would never download their music for a variety of reasons. I'm not saying all music, but I'm saying inappropriate music. And you may like it. It may have been what you were raised on, but you know. If Jesus were there, you would reach over and turn it off. Because you would be uncomfortable with that playing and Jesus sitting there by you. There's an instance when you know something is going to pull you away from the Lord that you end up having to practice self-denial. So you need to understand that as a Christian in this sin-cursed world, it is often good. It is in your best interest when you don't get what you desire. How is it good? How is it good when you don't get what you desire? Let me give you three things here. If I desire something I shouldn't desire, or if I'm obtaining something in the wrong way, it is best that I not get it. We're talking about wanting things that are bad for you, and people want things that are bad for them all the time. I just gave you a partial, a very short list of that. Number two, if being full of something that is wrong is bad for me, not being full would be better for me. If I want something that is wrong, it is better for me not to have it. There is, folks, in this world, for us Christians, a deprivation that is good and godly because it would be wrong for us to fulfill that. Let me give you the perfect Bible example, and we're going to focus on this man even more this afternoon. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 24, here's a perfect example. One man that may be next to Jesus, one of the top three most popular, most admired men in the Bible, is a man called Moses. And one of the reasons we hold Moses in such high acclaim 
is because of his self-denial. Because he resisted his fleshly hunger. It reads in Hebrews 11, verse number 24. Listen to this. Let Moses inspire you. If you want to be held in the same esteem as Moses, and that would be a good thing. I would like to be like Moses. That's, that's a good thing. Then you've got to do what Moses did. You've got to think like Moses thought. You've got to act like Moses acted. Verse number 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, the world would say, Moses, are you out of your mind? Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, you hit the jackpot, man. Put you adrift in that little basket, and where do you end up? You end up in the palace. You are, as the world would say, one lucky dude. You have got it made. What are you thinking? You're going to leave that? Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. That'll make you think this morning. When we just want to be with the in crowd, we want to be appreciated, we want to be thought of well by the ungodly crowd at work, the ungodly crowd in our family, the ungodly crowd in our neighborhood. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He is forsaking pleasure. He, he could have had pleasure. What every other Egyptian young man could only dream about. It was laid at his feet. Pure pleasure. Talk about lifestyles of the rich and famous. That would have been Moses. And he chose not to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And then goes on to say, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He's walking away from pleasure. He is walking away from treasure. I wasn't there, and it doesn't say, but I guarantee you his buddies thought he had absolutely lost his mind. Only a redeemed mind can even begin to comprehend this. An unredeemed mind cannot listen to what I'm preaching to you, read what we're reading this morning, and understand it. Unredeemed people, this makes no sense to them. Only if you're born again does it even have the chance of making sense. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Walked away from it. I mean, it's like he had won the lottery. He had everything that an unsaved world could dream of. He said he, he, he turned his back on it. Now, if you worry about what all the people of Egypt are thinking, they're thinking, that boy has lost his mind. But take the cameras off of Egypt and go to heaven and God looking down. 
Which perspective are we most interested in? The pressures around us to conform, and the world will pressure us. Let's finish reading it. By faith he forsook Egypt, not, listen to this, not fearing the wrath of the king. He had pressure to stay there and enjoy the pleasures and the treasures. He said he didn't fear the wrath of the king. There was, going to, there was pressure on him to just stay where he was, do what you're doing, enjoy the life that you have, life of pleasure and the life of treasure. And he knew there's going to be pressure if I walk away from that. And nothing has changed. You decide that you're going to live for the Lord and you're going to walk away from everything the world holds dear. You're going to have to forsake the pressure of the king. The king may be family members that are unsaved or spiritually immature. It could be people at work. It could be any one of a number of situations. You're going to feel that pressure, just as Moses felt it. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He knew, though, based on his faith in God, that he was better off denying himself the wealth of Egypt. He knew that he would enjoy much more satisfaction, success, accomplishments, and the blessings of God. And folks, is that not exactly how it worked out? We admire, this man led millions to freedom. This man was a fantastic leader. He, he was flawed at times, but nonetheless, the Lord used him. And his life accomplished so much more than had he just had that simpleton view of, oh, this is cool, this is cool, I get to wear this, I get to go there, I get to do that. What, what a simplistic, shallow view of life. Had Moses, though, gotten full on Egypt, he would have never become the worldwide renowned leader that he is today. I like this quote. If you break with the will of God to indulge and satisfy your cravings and desires, you meet that desire and you are temporarily full and satisfied, but in the end, you lose. The pleasures of sin are for a, help me, season. Means, yeah, for a little bit, man, it's going to be good. For a little bit, it might be really good. But it all, sin always comes with a price. You talk about inflation. I mean, it's, it's through the roof. The pleasures of sin are for a season. Now, if you're going to qualify for this passage, blessed are the hungry, what kind of hunger are you talking about? Well, again, the Bible, the Bible addresses that, 1 Peter 2.11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles... That whereas they speak evil, they speak against you as evildoers, they may be by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. The Bible 
simply here states what we all know. I mean, we're saved. I, I hope every person in this room is saved. But we still have to deal with our flesh. Abstain from fleshly lusts. That's written to us, Christians. Glenn McMorris, abstain from fleshly lusts. There are going to be some things you are going to lust after. You're going to desire. But they are fleshly. You are to abstain from them. Abstain from fleshly lusts. It is better to be hungry than to be full on those fleshly lusts. Why? Why why do I want to? That's hard. Yes, it's hard. I'm not up here saying it's easy. I mean, it's lust. I mean, you want it. And it can be different for different people in this room. Some people in this room would be more tempted by this. Some people would be more tempted by that. Satan knows your weakness. He knows what to bring in front of you. And you are going to, your flesh is going to lust, really want it. Well, then, why can't we have it? Because it wars against the soul. The the saved part of you. The the righteous part of you. The part of you that has the potential to do good. The part of you that has the potential to do great things. To accomplish much for the Lord. To have a beautiful and a wonderful family. To be a wonderful dad. To be a wonderful mom. Uh, to, 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 to be um, a, a great blessing to your, your, excuse me, your church or your family or, or at work. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Your, your flesh is going to bring you down. Your soul is going to bring you up. So abstain from fleshly lust. I like what David Guzik He's one of my favorite commentators. He says this. It is easy for us to see how the pursuit of fleshly lust can destroy our body physically. Most people in this room wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, alcohol's bad for you. Drugs bad for you. Tobacco's bad for you. That, that, that's, that's all bad. Just ask the alcoholic dying of liver disease or ask the sexually immoral person with AIDS or one of the 350,000 people on earth who contracted a sexually transmitted disease in the last 24 hours. But Peter reminds us that fleshly lusts also war against the soul. Some escape disease in the physical body when they sin. But the disease and death of the inner man is a penalty that no one given over to the flesh escapes. In other words, when you do not practice self-denial, when you give in to the lust of the flesh, yes, it can impact your physical body. But even if it doesn't impact your physical body, I outsmarted it. I haven't contacted any disease. It's the soul. Your, your, your soul is going to be harmed. Your body has a desire that is not in accord with the will of God. Think about these three men, and we're done. David looked down and saw Bathsheba bathing. 
you know the rest of the story. I would assume, based on Scripture, he did have a few moments of pleasure. Oh, my, but at what cost? Achan, after the battle, he desired the silver and the Babylonian garments that he knew he was not supposed to take, but he desired it. He did not practice self-denial, and my, did he and his family pay a horrible price. Samson desired a woman. He told his parents, he said, I want that woman right there. And they said, no, that, that's the one that God doesn't want you to have. He says, she pleases me. I, I want her. And what a price he paid. It is better to be hungry for things that you should not have than it is to be full on things you should not have. It's that simple. To be able to accomplish that, you need to pray. You need to hang around the right kind of people, other people that desire to get it right, not people that will make excuses for it. You can, all, you can always find somebody that will justify you doing wrong. We'll talk about him next week. Amnon had a friend. You can find friends that will say, don't listen to that fundamental Baptist church. They're in the dark ages over there. Don't, don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. Be around people that are going to make you think right. Be faithful in the Lord's house. The temptations are out there. That's one of the reasons a midweek service is so good. There are so many temptations. One of the places of the greatest temptations is in school, public schools, and in the workplace. And that goes on Monday through Friday in most cases. Great reason to be in church on Wednesday night. You need to be in a place where somebody's standing up in the pulpit going to bat for you. you know, I know it's hard. You know, I, I got fleshly temptations as, as well. And, yeah, it's a struggle sometimes for all of us. It's the right thing to do. We just need to acknowledge it is the right thing to do and quit making excuses for our selfish ways. We need to learn the important Bible principle of self-denial. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.